0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Sushi Club podcast. I am your host, Gail Edwards, the Global Impact and Personal Brand Strategist. And today I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Stephen, Lubna Zaru. Lubna. Hello. So as you know, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi-adoring entrepreneurs and showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. So, who have we got with us today? Now, regular listeners will know that we always have someone that's dynamic, that's interesting, and that's engaging. And today is absolutely no exception. So, we are, let's give you a few little clues. So, we're joined by somebody who is American. In fact, they don't live that far away from Boston. Also somebody who has had to pivot their business, just like many of us last year, you know, in terms of the global pandemic. So last year, Carla, and that's who's joining us today, Carla Germain, she decided it was time for a practical pivot from art, writing and travel to really lend her expertise and her practicalities to learn and share information about COVID-19 testing. Now that is a real pivot and we will find out more about how this came to be and why it's so important to Carla as we go through today's show. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the wonderful Carla Germain.
1: Thank you ladies. How are you, Carla? I am a little chilly, but other than that, we're good. It went below zero in Massachusetts, Fahrenheit, last night. So we are doing our best to stay warm and keep calm and carry on with everything we need to get done.
0: Oh, wow. Do you know, we had, in comparison to the U.S., especially, you know, um, Massachusetts, we had what can only be described as a dusting of snow last week here in the U.K. in London. But of course, to us, a dusting of snow means standstill. So (laughs) literally, and the fascination, everybody's fascinated. Oh, my gosh, it's snowing. And, you know, all of our media are filled with pictures of people out in the snow, playing in the snow, building snowmen. Because it's still, even after time of memorial, it's still quite a fascination to have snow in the UK. So kudos to you. I feel like you say, for you're just getting on with it, so what, it's below zero. But that kind of attitude as well, that really seemed to come through when I was reading more about you and about your bio in terms of, you know, sh- doing that pivot from art and creativity into COVID-19. Tell me more about that.
1: So a couple things happened that positioned me so that I was following the pandemic closely. I still have relatives that live in Italy, so I was scheduled to go to Italy in March. So I was just watching worldwide what was going on, how things were moving and shifting, just to create an awareness of how this was being selfish going to affect my trip. And I'll never forget, it was March, and we were getting ready to go. And I'm like watching it. I'm asking my husband, what are your thoughts on travel at this time? And my sister's famous last words to me were, unless they close the airport, we're going. And days before our flight was a big shutdown of everything. So while everyone was home, I had a little something different going on in my household. My husband and my oldest daughter are actually essential workers. So when people could stay home, stay home, stay safe, I had two people that were going out every day into settings where you didn't know what was happening. We didn't know back then, right, how things were spreading. And so it was a nerve wracking time. But it also helped me to create an awareness that I didn't know was going to come in so handy months later. Mm. So how I ended up getting in contact with the company that has access to all of the tests I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Wharton Business School out of Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania, actually has a radio station. And there's a woman on there that has a career talk show. And I was listening to it, listening to one of her speakers. And at the end of the presentation, without even knowing what it was, she said, if anybody's interested in doing sales, send me your resume. I had no idea what this was about, and I reached out to her. She actually had a format on there you could use for a cover letter for your resume. I used her format. I got my information out to her. It was an auto calendar. I filled it out, made an appointment to talk with her. This was in August. And she called me, and I told her what I did, and she said, no. (laughs) And I didn't push back because I did not have business-to-business experience at all. And then she said, but wait, I have an idea. Mm -hmm. And this is Abby Kohut. She's fabulous. Her mission was to help like a million people get into a career that was right for them. She had like an RV and went across the United States. Fabulous lady and very innovative. Mm
0: -hmm. And she
1: said, let's see if you call some people what type of response you get and people meaning a business. And at that point, we were looking at urgent care centers, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, that's just not resonating with me. And we had had a big tragedy at one of the soldiers' homes, one of the elder care facilities, and I said, that's who I'm going to talk to. So at the time, the nasal PCR test, yeah. which was the most popular, and I had a saliva test, so I could talk to these facilities and say, this would be more comfortable for your clients, instead of, you know, sticking something up to their brain, like let's use saliva and make it a little easier. So I was able to generate enough interest that I was brought on board and I've been with them, that same company ever since. Wow, Mm -hmm. but what got you even interested as an artist
2: for a sales
1: job? Exactly. Well, I wanted something flexible because I also have a special needs daughter that I care for, primary caregiver, and so I needed something that I knew was flexible so that she could remain my priority. So I thought this was the way to go. But sale, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you
0: can hear, Carla, we're a little bit confused here because I'm thinking, but what's more flexible than being an artist? So maybe if you, if you. Just give us a little bit of context of even before COVID, you know, as an artist and writer, teacher, what exactly were you
1: doing before doing this COVID um, position? Well, that's exactly what happened. I moved all of my supplies for art to do classes into a municipal building. And when the lockdown came that same weekend, my flight was canceled my supplies are still locked in that building. Right. Ah, So I would have to like start over. Plus I was going to have to do classes online and people were asking me to do classes like for their children and things like that. So that was easy enough, but to really get everything going, I needed a change. And when I found out, I almost feel like I was guided to make that call because I didn't know, like I went with my gut, even what it was, it could have been selling art supplies. Right. Mm. And something that I'd get a nice discount on my new art supplies. (laughs) (laughs) And this way I had this opportunity to do something that, you know, had to do with my family and staying safe. And also feeling like I get invited to calls with like the NFL to see what people like that are doing. And it's just like having that cutting edge with the two essential worker family members is just really a nice gift that just somehow fell into place.
2: And you're an arts teacher. What kind of art? I mean, in my mind, there's paintings, but it could be anything. So
1: what do you teach people? So when I'm working with art, one of the things that's big, I don't know, in other areas of the world, what it's like, but people really love alcohol ink. It's an abstract art. And then also I can do different types of mixed media where you're working with collage. I offer as an artist metal stamping. And now that things are starting to open up a little, I have to be honest, I did talk with someone recently who asked me about classes. I'm not gonna say no, as long as I can keep my focus going. But metal stamping, collage, upcycling furniture, anything like that, that usually does have something to do with paint or ink. Ooh, Ooh. I like that. A friend of mine has a business around upcycling
2: furniture. Mm -hmm. And I know someone else. She was a guest at the end of last year. She does upcycling of clothing. Oh, Oh, cool.
1: Yes. I sew as well. Yes, that's cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. so
0: considering that you've made this quite I'm unusual of, yeah <laughs> I'm thinking of the word severe because it is such a stark contrast so you've made this stark pivot let's call it that from being a creative into now selling COVID the whole COVID testing thing how is that feeling for you Carla because Normally, I see people who are transitioning the other way. They're coming from the practical, whereas you're going from the creative into the practical. So I just want to know, how is that feeling for you? And also, do you still have an outlet for your creativity?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was funny. When I started with the COVID test, I put up a little note that I was not allowed to use my art supplies for one month. because you get into this vortex where time just flies. And then I sort of let myself have weekends or mornings and things like that. So I still am working with that. When you're doing offering any type of information about art, you're sharing information. And with the tests, this was information that nobody had because these were brand new tests, correct? Mm -hmm. So I learned the information about those And then I share that with people. And sometimes people are like, well, why do you need to share the information? Like these are smart people's, like people's, these are smart people. So, you know, like, why would like a plastic surgeon need you to explain like these tests? Because this is outside of their wheelhouse. They are maybe specialists for some type of plastic surgery. They have no clue on how to do a COVID test. So you have to share it, the different components, the instructions, the videos that the manufacturers have. So it's really about sharing information versus sales. Like I never feel like I'm selling anything, even though that's like part of it that you do have to take the order, but you're sharing information about these different products, the use, the statistics, how they're going to help people, things like that. Mm, Interesting. (laughs)
0: <laughs> interesting.
1: I mean, that, that's an
2: interesting perspective to look at sales as a way to provide information instead oh, of. I mean, to be honest, I can sell someone else's products, services, even themselves, better than I can sell anyone. If I believe in the person or I believe in the product or service, I can sell water to Eskimos. That—that's me to a T selling myself or my own products is don't ask me to do that. That's not part of my forte. And sales has always had a connotation of you're forcing something down someone's throat. Mm -hmm. So your perspective Mm -hmm. is I'm sharing information that might be valuable so that they can make a decision based on that information.
1: Absolutely. And Lubna, even for yourself, you know, thinking about what you have to offer like i love some of the stuff we discussed before the call and the creativity that goes with that and the collaboration and just yeah. sharing that that's what you're about will attract people to learn yeah. more
0: yeah absolutely i agree with you so much carla because it's funny i used to run a course a few years ago it was um, called selling with soul without having to sell oh. yourself. yeah and you know because it is very much about soul have oh they can they come in the dogs
1: okay
0: so long as they're not struggling to get on camera
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be fun the entrepreneurs sushi club podcast with dogs on camera hmm yeah okay
1: yeah yeah
2: you
1: know, come here
2: I say, it's very much there about- we go <laughs> It
0: is about us showing up and it is about us serving our customers with what they want, you know, providing them with the solution to whatever their pain, challenge or problem is. So I totally can see how by doing that, Carla, you've retained the essence of who you are. Absolutely. You know, you've just changed product. You know, that's it. You've just changed product. So I really, really like that. So Carla, moving on slightly, we're now in our second year. We are now in our second year of this pandemic. Yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel, though we don't know when. But how are you feeling now? I mean, is this something that you think you're going to continue to do for as long as it's needed? Or are you actually planning to transition back into what you were doing? Or maybe you want to do something completely different?
1: I think what I'm going to do is put the two together and... I think that if this goes on, there's going to be a need for the tests. So I'm definitely going to share that as long as it's needed. In terms of like what I'm personally going to do, I guess by the time this airs, it'll almost be reality. But one of the things I'm thinking working on currently is to have like a little COVID box, like a little safe box that will have things in there that people need, including Wait for it. The in-home tests that are coming. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. We
0: have in-home tests here and in the UK. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah.
0: You can actually request a postal test and they send them to your home. So, you know, I definitely see the power of those, but I think a kit would be amazing. Yeah. Yes.
1: A kit yes. would be useful. So I'm working on that. I'll share that with you ladies when I have it. There are a very limited amount of home tests available right now, but they're on their way. The EUA, the emergency use authorization granted by the FDA here in the States, just approved the test that I'll be working with last week. So now they're just getting things squared away on exactly what that's going to look like, but that's the next step. And that's going to go for a while and thinking, putting together a little safe kit is the way to go. Mm, I like that. So
2: having listening to you in the last about five minutes, I'm actually really curious. One of the purposes of the podcast is to give our listeners insight into the personality of sushi adoring entrepreneurs. So what I would like to do for the next couple of minutes is to do a quick fire round. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions Mm. and just give me one of two answers. And this is based on the big five personality model, which is the most reliable personality model there is in psychology. It has a range you can choose. So the very first one that the one that people know the most is, are you an introvert or an extrovert?
1: I used to be very extroverted and now I've with age, I've toned down. I wouldn't consider myself in between the two, though. I still lend myself. I can talk to anybody about anything. So I'm still leaning towards extrovert. Cool.
2: The other mm-hmm. one is openness. Are you more open to change or more like status quo? I like change. I embrace it. Great. And the third one is a very difficult one that I had to practice to be able to say it is consciousness. That means are you more disciplined or more spontaneous?
1: Spontaneous. Like I that. just knew you were going to say that, <laughs> I just
2: knew
0: it. The clue was when, oh, I didn't know what she was talking about, but I just heard
2: sales. I thought, yeah, spontaneous. <laughs> I love it. The The fourth dimension is agreeableness. So are you more empathetic or independent?
1: I think I land in the middle on that.
2: Yep. Cool. And the last one has to do with emotional intelligence. Are you unstable when it comes to emotions, whether that is positive or negative, or are you more composed and calm so that you're not triggered by emotions that much?
1: I I have to say I land in the middle on that as well. Yeah. 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 The model is a range, so you can
2: be anywhere in the middle or more to one of the two. Okay, cool. So we have a more extroverted, spontaneous, open person. (laughs) That's <laughs> <Lost> my word <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear.
0: and you know I do like these kind of tests because they do give you a little bit more of an insight but I'm also of the opinion that we can't hide who we are we right. give it away you know with our language, with our behaviour even when we think we're hiding we're not hiding and I'm a firm believer that we have a constant that runs through us regardless of what we're doing so it's no, surprise. yeah, and it's no surprise to me, Carla, that you know you being an artist, you've been haven't been of a more creative, let's say, persuasion <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> but that same spontaneity that you would have had in your creativity is the same spontaneity and the same extrovertedness that you have now when you're sharing information with people about COVID. You know, absolutely. You've already told us, you know, what your plans are, you know, with the safe kit. That's not someone who's just selling kits or, you know, that's someone who's really into this, has thought about it and knows exactly how to serve the the market that they're in. So, Yeah. yeah, they're great, but you are who you are. You are who you are. So... Carla, you are of course on the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. Okay.
1: Absolutely.
0: We'd we'll be doing a great disservice to our listeners if we did not ask you that vital question. I hope you've prepared for it. Okay, because we don't want any repeats of past guests, you know, <laughs> who shall remain nameless. <laughs> right. so you've prepared. So let's go for the killer question, Carla. What's your favorite sushi?
1: I love anything with spicy tuna. So it can be a roll. It can be a topping. It can be as is. I just love it. And I don't know exactly what it is that I love about it or how it became my favorite because I always had a wide range of sushi that I loved, but it's the spicy tuna. And I don't know if you guys remember... But that plum wine has to come to the table as well. Oh, yes,
0: yes, 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 yes. So I suppose the other question I have to ask is to wasabi or not to wasabi? Of
1: course, but with soy as well. But I have to tell you, ladies, I'm not of the school where you take the wasabi and you take the soy and you like mix it up and pour it on. I like my choice. I like my chunk of wasabi, so it's going to hit me. Yes, yes. And then I want the soy to balance it out.
0: Absolutely. That's my girl. Okay, (laughs) that's how we do it. Sushi purists all the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
2: It even goes that if you do that in Japan, so put your wasabi in the soy sauce and mingle and then put your – that's actually an insult.
0: I'm not surprised it's an insult to me and I'm not even (laughs) (laughs) – (laughs)
2: <laughs> really? i learned that from a japanese sushi chef he said what people are doing here in the netherlands and i know that there are other countries i've seen it in the uk in sushi restaurants too is put the wasabi in the soy sauce that in japan would be a tremendous insult to the sushi chef because mm-hmm. you do not put wasabi in soy sauce you put wasabi no. on top of the sushi i'm like oh i better be careful i'll remind
1: myself yes oh, yeah yeah have you ever heard this? Because I do have a line that I will not cross with sushi. Ooh. One of my girlfriends was in Japan and they were having sushi, but some of the fish was so fresh. It was still moving. Oh my goodness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think maybe
0: uh, I'm as into sushi
1: as I thought.
2: <laughs> no, no. But that's my line. Yeah, I think that,
0: that would be my line.
2: Yeah, that would most definitely be yeah. my line too. It does not move on my plate. Correct.
0: <laughs> Agreed. You're not having any living sushi.
2: <laughs> oh, no. So, living Carla, sushi. one of wow. the things that we love to know about our guests is when did you discover sushi?
1: I believe that one of the first times I had sushi was with a friend who had come up from Texas and don't ask me why this was before Boston or west of Boston had sushi but we went out he ordered like a boat so we got to try everything and some things I loved, some things I didn't but he was like if you want to be rich you should open a sushi restaurant <laughs> because there's not one in this area That had to be, my daughter's like 27, so over 30 years ago. And at that time, there was not. Now we have many fabulous places west of Boston.
0: Mm. So, Carla, another killer question. If you were a sushi, mm, what would be the ingredients and why?
1: Well, I would have some rice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I would have some seaweed. I would have like a spicy mayo on top. Oh, and the little crunchy things. I love those. Yes. And then, you know what? I think I would go with salmon instead of tuna. Mm. So I would be a salmon because I would like to enjoy my life as a salmon before I became sushi. and would it be a roll as in a roll marquee, yes. or a hand roll what would it be it would be one of the rolls with the rice on the outside
2: the rice.
1: yeah uh-huh. yeah okay cool mm-hmm. but why these ingredients what do they have to do with you well the salmon's a beautiful fish if I would be a fish I'd like to be beautiful And, you know, you could be living in Alaska or something, but the cold doesn't seem to bother them. So that would be a good thing as well. And yeah, so that's where that came from. And I do like the little bit of rice on there. I do like, you know, sometimes the tuna on its own, but I do enjoy the rice as part of a roll as well. And the seaweed? It just gives that texture and taste. That's fabulous. And the Mm. crunch? That's just adds a little extra something in there that you weren't maybe expecting. Well,
0: that's you. The, the yes, you transition from an artist into a COVID tester. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the crunch. I love it. I love it. Oh dear. So Carla, this is a bit of a different question. I suppose. Well, will we have a different answer? Because when you look at your transition in your business, you know, normally we ask our entrepreneurs, you know, so if your business were a sushi, would it be the same as you personally or would it be different? And sometimes we get different answers. But I really don't know what to expect with your answer. <laughs> <laughs> <honest>. don't know.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same.
0: Well, what is it, Carla? You know, if your business were a sushi, what would it be? Because it's certainly a lot of the unexpected in there.
1: <laughs> I think it might be something like sea urchin, because this is not my favorite. And this is not my favorite, but we're going to get through. And just like you could take that and put a little with put a lot of wasabi, and <laughs> soy, and get through it, we're going to get through this as well.
0: What a lovely answer. What a lovely, lovely yes, answer. Do. Thank you. Thank you. Because I know, see, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, but you're right. You know, you have really taken what has been the worst, the absolutely worst situation. Let's just, you know, try and dumb it down a little bit in some respects. But the worst situation, in, certainly in recent history, probably ever. But you've taken that and used it to not just educate yourself to give yourself another opportunity, but also to educate others, to keep other people safe. And I think that's really applaudable.
1: Well, this is somewhat ironic, but my grandfather lost his first wife and two of his kids in the Spanish flu.
2: Mm.
1: So he went back to Italy to get another wife who was my mother's mother, and I wouldn't be here unless they were lost in the flu. And now I'm here, Germaine, whenever somebody shortens my name, I become Germ, G-E-R-M. So I think there's a little bit of something, something going on with all of this, because it just is like a hundred years of like strange things that led me to, to where I am today. Starting with my grandfather losing his wife and two kids in the Spanish flu. Yeah.
2: Mm, So, do you, because,
0: you know, this is such a pertinent subject at the moment. And I know that there are going to be listening, they're going to be listening, they're going to be listeners listening who will probably want to know a little bit more about testing, about COVID testing, uh, you know, either where can they get one, how can they, and I know you're in the States and it is different, we have a global audience and it is different for different countries, but is there any advice that you can give them that may be, you know, generic across all countries, any like say three steps or four steps that they can do?
1: Well, one of the things is to know the different types of tests. So if you're being told you're going to be tested, you just want to have an awareness of what's out there. So this doesn't have anything to do with the vaccine. That's a different thing. But the tests themselves, if they tell you they want to give you an antibody test, that's most likely to see if you've already had covid The antibodies stick around for a while, they're checking, and this way you know whether or not you've already had COVID. The PCRs are the gold standard. That's if you wanna make sure you don't have COVID. It takes a few days, usually 24 to 72 hours to get the results, but that's a test that's going to, almost, there's no such thing as 100%, but almost 100% tell you whether or not you actually have COVID whether you're symptomatic or not. If you're not symptomatic and you just wanna say, "Uh uh-oh, I was around people this weekend, you have to give the antibodies a couple days to kick in, but then you can take an antigen test and that will tell you whether or not, if you're symptomatic or not, whether or not you're likely to have COVID. If you're symptomatic, you test positive with an antigen test, then sorry, You probably have it, confirm it with a PCR. If you're not symptomatic, you test negative, then you're going to be okay. So just knowing the difference between the different tests and especially with the antigen test, if they try to test you, like you went into work, someone was positive, you don't want to take the antigen test right away because you're going to get a false negative, even if you are positive because it's too fast. Mm. But- You do have to advocate for yourself a little bit in terms of what's going on. Gosh, that makes so much sense. Now I had no
0: idea there were so many tests actually. No, I know I, yeah. we have a rapid response test. Um I don't know yes, what that's rapid antigen. Right. So my daughter had two of those and both of them were negative. Okay. okay. So I went and picked her up from uni. And as soon as I got there and I looked at her, I thought, oh, she no. does not look right. No. right. So she took another test and that one came back positive. Yeah. So she had to go into self-isolation. Do,
1: and do you was- And I'm sorry, ladies, the, the cafe has some noisy dogs in it today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're part, the um, the part of the deal. Don't worry.
1: They're part of the deal. So how soon after her exposure, do you know how soon Gail, how soon after her exposure, was she initially tested?
0: It would have been within days, literally it was only a few days. But um, it sounds
1: like it was a little too soon for the rapid test. So the the antigens had, you know, she didn't have the buildup that she needed to have that recognized as positive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But we're using here in the UK, we're using those rapid tests a lot amongst students. That's what they're using. So, you know, there's pros and cons of that, as we know. I don't want to get into the debate of that, but there are pros and cons. But that's really great information there, Carla, just in terms of the different tests, because, as I said, I didn't know. And I'm sure there'll be many listeners who didn't know that.
1: Yes. And on my website, Germain.com, I have it pointing to all that information, like in a little PowerPoint presentation. So it's all there.
2: Okay. Well, we're going to add all mm-hmm. of your links so people can connect with you, Carla, to the description of this episode. Thank you. I do have one question as we begin to wrap up our time together is you have repositioned and repivoted your business from artist to giving information about COVID-19 tests. Now, I know that many people have done that too last year, but there have also been a group of people that haven't done it. And they're wondering, how do I do this? Because right now we know that it's going to take longer than any of us ever could have imagined. What are your tips for people that are standing at the crossroads, to use a word that was used earlier today, and thinking, I have to do something else? where do I start? How do I do it? Even if you're there making a transition to a completely different topic and area Mm -hmm. of expertise, what are your insights around that?
1: I think the most important thing is that you find something, I know this is overused, but it has to be something you're passionate about. And I'm trying to think of a better word than that because of what was going on in my life when I found out that this could take to doing something, like I said, there was a gut just to call, go with your gut, obviously, like even though if it doesn't seem at first, like what's right for you, follow up on it. And then after you have that information, do something to take action so that you really get all the details so that you know, if what you want to pivot to is really aligned with what's important to you. And if it is important, then I believe that everything else will fall into place. Yeah, I love
2: that. Go with your gut, your intuition. You may be called to do something that you didn't expect to be do,
1: and just follow that hunch. And if something shows up in your life, and if it doesn't look exactly like what you were expecting, really continue to explore it because it might be a perfect fit. Just don't shut it down because it's not your idea of what it's supposed to look like.
0: Oh my gosh. Carla, if ever there was a person that is the epitome of that, it is you. (laughs) Honestly, there really is. And I love the fact that Marianne Williamson sneaked in right at the end here because she is one of my absolute favourites. I quote her poem, Our Deepest Fear, all the time. It's even part of one of my downloads. So I appreciate that, you know, always keeping her at the forefront. But you're absolutely right. Just because it doesn't look like what you expect doesn't mean it's not the one. So thank you. Wow. Wow. What a revelation this has been, This, you know, this episode. I'm just absolutely loving it. It's been (coughs) such a pleasure to spend some time with you and to get to know you. So as we come to the end of this episode, before we close out, I'd just like
1: to say, Carla,
0: is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners?
1: I just think I have a little saying on my website. It says stay positive, test negative. If you're really, you know, have concerns, be safe. If if you're wearing your mask, if you're keeping social distancing, whatever you're most comfortable, that's in a safe way. But you have to continue interacting with people, whether it's Zoom, whether it's depending on where you live in the world. If you can be out and interacting again with people, just stay, do what you need to do to stay positive because the effect on mental health, that could be a whole nother call. Yeah. So we want to all stay as positive as possible.
0: Oh, lovely. Lovely. Carla, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. And of course, for our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. And before we close out completely, I just want to ask Lubna, is there anything that you would like to add? Because it has been such an amazing episode.
2: No, I'm honored to have you, Carla. I'm just, you've given such great gems. That I'm processing it as I'm listening. So, thank you so much for saying yes.
0: Absolutely. Thank
2: you, ladies. It's been a pleasure.
0: It really has. It really has. And of course, we would like to know from you, our listeners, what has been your biggest takeaway from today's conversation? You know, so please take a moment and share your takeaways with us in our Facebook group, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. You will find the link in the description of this episode, along with all of the socials on how you can also connect with Carla. And if you know someone who will benefit from listening to this episode, and I think we can all agree that most of us will, (laughs) most certainly at this time, then please do share it with them. Thank Thank
1: you. you.